the communication part is absolutely really, really critical. It's probably the most critical part. Um, and making sure that you get people that communicate well is is basically half the battle. If you get people that communicate well, it's gonna work out pretty well. And then you don't really have to force up the hill so much and try to train people to be more communicative. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast brought to you by Cartavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. We're also excited to announce that we're now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Today, we have a very unique guest dealing with a unique issue of our times, and that is remote work. Our guest is Ho Yen Chun, and the title today is Leadership Realities, Challenges, and Solutions in a Remote Work World. Ho Yen is the founder and CEO of an organization called Remo that's an interactive virtual event platform that humanizes the online event experience. Not only has he helped create this online experience platform, but he has been leading for a number of years a remote workforce that's now 100 people. And we're going to talk about everything from creating those remote experiences to managing and leading a remote workforce, whether it's communication, the need for policies and processes. You're going to love this conversation about having a communication charter that sets expectations about the ways you communicate and the forms of communication. We're going to talk about different ways to look at meetings in a remote world. This is the episode you've been looking for to learn the skills, tools, and mindsets you need to lead a remote or hybrid team. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. We are excited to be here for a conversation that is just so timely, not timely this week, but timely of our times because we're going to be talking about remote communication, remote work, remote events, uh, how do we connect or not connect uh, using technology today. And we've got the person for this conversation. We've got Ho Yin Chung with us. He is an entrepreneurial visionary with a knack for being ahead of the curve. And you're going to see that very quickly. Uh, he has accurately predicted the social and psychological harms associated with social media. Another front page topic these days. And he moved on from his very successful social media agency to pursue the future of, listen to this phrase, humanized digital interactions, <laughs> not just digital interactions, but humanized. Today, Hoyan is the founder and CEO of uh, Remo, an interactive virtual event platform that humanizes the online event experience. Uh, they went, they've quickly grown from five team members to over a hundred team members working, working globally. And you keep hearing this phrase in this introduction. How do you humanize these interactions? How do you bring authenticity to conversations that are happening today and moving forward in very different ways? And we're going to talk about all the different things we can do differently, including the remote platform to help turn your remote interactions to more authentic, humanized, and frankly, authentic conversations. So welcome, Ho Yen. Thanks, Jeff. I'm super uh, excited to be on and uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. 
So give everybody a little bit of the backstory, Hoyen. Sure. Um, not trying to go too far back. I'll keep it as relevant as possible. I mean, um, uh, I went to school as a bioengineer in San Diego, um, but um, engineering just wasn't kind of like my cup of tea. So then I ended up working in banking for a bit. I worked in consulting. I started my first business uh, back in like 2012. Back in 2012, and um, and I've I've done things from buying um, uh, stuff from China, selling it on Amazon. I I did that back in 2012 when it was in the early days of Amazon. Uh, moved on to like have my own mobile mobile app agency. Um, have uh, done the uh, social media agency that I just that you kind of mentioned about, and then just kind of you know went from one thing to the other, kind of rolling from one business to the next, building up the, the, the snowball, I guess, so to speak. And so now the most recent um, foray in, in, in my journey, in my entrepreneurship journey is uh, Remo. And um, at Remo, we try to create um, authentic conversations that build meaningful relationships. I love that. So I've used the word several times in the introduction, Ho Yen, about human being, humanizing and there was this phrase that I didn't read from your bio. It says, we believe this process is the most humane way to bring people together. Can you talk about that? Like, sounds like a core foundation for you and Remo. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, I mean, I can, so in, in short, and I'll say what, what the term means, and I'll say kind of like how I got to that. So what the term means is like, you know, when you look at physical products, right? Let's say like, um, like a phone um, or those old phones that, you know, like they're flip phones or um, an ergonomic mouse or ergonomic chair, which I'm sure like you guys sit on, those fit to the contours of the human being pretty well, right? That's, that, that's technology, that's our products fitting to us. But when it comes to technology, I don't think that we're doing as good of a job when it comes to technology. <laughs> good point. You know, we're, we're, we're at a point now, we're so far deep in the deep end where technology in some sense um, like certain social media platforms out there um, are kind of controlling us. Like they're manipulating us in a way. And, and so for me, like, it's really important for me that we need to kind of make sure that technology works for us, not the other way around. Um, and, you know, one example I can state where I think is not very human is, you know, when was the last time you created a full-blown normal relationship from Twitter or from some forum that you were on or from some Slack community or something just through text first, you know, where you have to text someone initially and then develop a relationship. And um, I, I, my argument is, well, it's possible, but it's really hard. Um, and so I want to flip the script and I'm like, you know, how do we humanize that process by following the behaviors and the way how we, the etiquette, you know, the social etiquette of how we interact with each other, how do we bring that online? And the way how I see it is, it's gotta be video first. You gotta meet people video first to build that trust because that's the closest thing from, from a human perspective that, I can, that we can do, build that trust. And then guess what? Oh, hey, can I get your LinkedIn? Can I get your Facebook? And then can we chat through text? So the ordering needs to be correct. And that's what it kind of humanized means in my mind. So when you do that, is there a, so with the platform, how is it that you're connecting people? So our, 
we're our platform we're really good like our bread and butter like we're known in the virtual events industry for networking events which basically means people just have conversations so our, our platform is it's a bit hard to describe on a podcast unfortunately but mm-hmm. um if you imagine um a map and it's, it's kind of like those 2d maps where you're looking above down the map and there's a bunch of tables and the moment you land into the event you have a you represent as like a circle with your profile picture in it and your avatar just lands on a table with other people and similar to any zoom call you know when you get into that table you only see the video tiles or the video streams of the people who are on your table now you can double click onto any table you want and you can move to that table and so what we've recreated is that like the, wow. the element of serendipitous conversation, the ability to move freely from one table to the next. I can network, I can chat with you guys for a while and say, hey guys, you know what? Uh, let me get your contact. Okay, I'm gonna go network some more. I can go to another table. And so we're basically just well-known in industry and in creating these tables, which are basically proxies for conversation. It's actually, a table is actually representative of a conversation. And we've been very successful in sort of humanizing that aspect. Um, of that whole entire uh, 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 behavior. So, oh yeah, I've actually been on an event or two that used your platform. I didn't realize it was the same one. So, uh, great tool. It's something that I've looked into as as far as running that ourselves as well. So, um, good job in creating something that that oh. actually works well. Fantastic. Thanks. Oh, that's great. That made things easier. <laughs> So, so Ho Yen, there's there's so much to explore here because there's so much hap- has changed in the world. I mean, I think the change was coming, but it got accelerated. I would say it got accelerated by the pandemic. I don't think it got created by the pandemic. It was accelerated. And I, I'd love your take on this. It seems like a lot of organizations have basically said, we're going to just keep, we're going to, the only thing that's changed is we're going to do business remotely. We're going to find out right. technology that allows us to be remote, but have right. not really thought about the experience. There's not right. a lot of thoughtfulness. Can you say more about that sort of reactive technology approach to remote working? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, the thing is, it's funny is because like remote working. Uh, so I, I've been leading remote teams for over like eight years. And I, I came to the same conclusion that a lot of other these companies have approached, which is, hey, you know, we need to create these environments. We got to, you know, you got to make remote work more human and, you know, do more video and stuff like that. What's funny was that remote actually started as a virtual office, actually. So we were trying to replicate these like hallway conversations, actually. You know, that was actually the whole like the vision that I wrote in the head, actually, I was like, okay, the virtual office ac- accomplishes that version, creating authentic conversations that build meaningful relationships. What I kind of realized was like, yeah, I mean, you do have conversations in the office, but you know, you you don't always make friends in the office. Like you could have meaningful relationships, but you mostly go to the office to be productive and have meetings, right? And I realized um, actually through choice, and I can share with you how we pivoted the business into events is that events actually accomplished that vision, that vision that I have, authentic conversations that build meaningful relationships way more effectively. And so um, the approach that people make, that people take, I think, is from a very productive, productivity approach. And by the way, there's not, there's not, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with that approach. Um, It's just like, it's still in the vein of productivity. 
and is still in the vein of let's get work done. And that's fine. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But it seems to me, Hoyan, one of the challenges is the people who have tried to create that interaction, that spontaneous conversation, it's not really spontaneous. That's one of the biggest things I've heard over the last two years is people saying, well, people are rem uh, working remotely. We have to schedule everything. Whereas we don't have yeah, those impromptu yeah. conversations. Is Remo a move in that direction? I mean, it went from remote work to yeah. events, but is that part of that solution? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so what I learned was that it's very difficult to create spontaneous serendipitous conversation if you have a open space. So the virtual office and most like Microsoft Teams, all that kind of stuff, you can think of it as, as like, it's this open space. Um, Microsoft Teams and Microsoft Teams is a bit more, it's a bit more easier because everyone's working within the same hours. So obviously you're gonna have overlap, but let's say you had a community, right? Or you just had a co-working. I tried virtual co-working spaces where it's like an open space and everyone kind of has their own schedule. Impossible to get people to create spontaneous. It's like almost impossible. I figured out a way to get around it, how to figure it out, but it ended up being scheduling. What events does is it's planned. It's we all come together at the same time, but we may not know everyone. And so you do get some serendipitous conversations that happening, but it's all scheduled all at the same time. And that works. You still can get that spontaneousness through that within so, that. So how would that differ than let's say Slack? So using Slack, I have conversations with clients all the time, very, very quick. Somebody puts, puts something out there. We have these spontaneous conversations and then everything ends. It's not like an event based. So how would you be able to improve that? So, I mean, we're at the end of the day, we're not really a productivity tool. Like we pivoted away from virtual office into events. So my, my, my response to that is, well, Slack actually doesn't do events. Yeah. What they do is, Product productivity, you guys are all, everyone kind of works in the same time zone, right? Mm -hmm. So then you, you, you will have these, you know, spontaneous conversations, which is, which is normal. We, 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 have, I mean, we, we just don't, I mean, we're, we're, we, at the moment, we don't really touch that. What okay. we do is it's like, oh, here, you have a Slack. Oh, you know what? You invite all your, all your clients all together and have like a networking session with everyone. So your clients can meet each other and you can like maybe do a webinar and talk about something about your expertise. And then they all talk to each other. That's what what we would do. Gotcha. Okay. Well, it sounds like Ho Yin, one thing you've done is you have in many ways redefined events because most organizations, when they were had offices, so to speak, they would have an annual meeting or they would have a quarterly gathering, something that was highly structured, but not a lot of events. There weren't a lot of events. The those impromptu events was going down to the bar or whatever, those happened spontaneously. Mm -hmm. And you're saying, we're not just talking about those big events. We're saying be more intentional about having gatherings of your team, of right. your clients, of whoever it is, and do it on a platform that better replicates human interactions. So you're actually going to yeah. have more events following your mindset, correct? That's right. That's right. And I would add on that, like the, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I, I think what we're really doing is we're trying to take what people do normally, what they do normally um, as us as human beings, and then take that and basically enable people like before people really couldn't host these type of events online. 
it, it was just really unheard of to invoke something to, to kind of hold something that's really interactive across, you know, several different tables. It's always been, you know, one call and it's a whole bunch of people, like, let's say, you know, you guys have been on a 20 person conference call, right? I mean, it's like crazy, you know, it's just like one person can talk at the same time. People are talking over each other, you know? So it's been always been this like one to many approach. We're like, no, 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 this, this doesn't, this is great if you're having a meeting because a meeting is exactly that same pattern, right? In a meeting, only one person can talk. But outside of that, where you do other types of things, it's many to many. So, and what we specifically say is, hey, you know what? We found out a way how you can do many to many online now, which you would have done offline. Guess what? You can now do this online as well. Gotcha. Are you finding uh, organizations are using this not only for your word events, but also for some form of their training? Like so many people are struggling oh, yeah. to figure out how are we going to do remote training? We're going to sit in a Zoom room and come up with creative ways to make it more interesting, <laughs> but it's still a bunch yeah. of people in a box, some with their cameras yeah. on, some not, whatever. So talk about that concept of using it in the training mode. Sure. So to answer your question, like, first of all, like um, for training is actually one of the many use cases we have. Like we've had workshops, we've had job fairs, we've had trade expos, we've had weddings, funerals, like all kinds of different types of stuff. Um, with regards to like the interaction part, so the way how we make it more interactive. So our, our platform has two modes. The first mode is what we call conversation mode. And conversation mode is the map that I just mentioned with many different tables. And by the way, you can change the map. You can change the way how the tables are, like the number of seats on the table, how many tables there are, what the background look like. Some people now use two, they're using 2D. Some people use 3D. Like uh, there, there's like a bunch of companies right now that use like three, a 3D. It's the same concept. Like you can only move, like it's, it's, it's 2D, but the, the image is 3D. You know what I mean? It, it, looks, it, it looks amazing. Um, and so we have this conversation world where people are networking and then you can click a button and it will change into some, what we call presentation mode, which is basically identical to any kind of webinar that you've been at. So some huge video on the left. And then on the right, there's like some chat on the right. What we do that's different during these trainings is we switch from conversation mode to presentation mode back and forth. So, so what, why, what happens is that when you do training, what we, we work well with people who have to strive to interact, to get people to interact and get people to kind of like work in groups, um, learning from your peers. And so what, what we do is, is what we see the most successful trainers do is they will train, they'll talk about something 15 to 20 minutes and say, okay, there's a, I have a worksheet for you guys. Here's a worksheet. Um, Go back to your tables, the worksheets and on the whiteboard, we have a whiteboard on each table and click on that worksheet and then work together on those questions together. Mm -hmm. I'll give you 15 minutes, 15 minute timer and then starts, 15 minutes. And then if it starts, we then jump right into the conversation mode and people are then just working together. And then just, it just goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. People come back up to the presentation mode and here's the key thing. Here's this real important thing. I will invite, I'll say, okay, um, Tables one to three, pick one person to come up and like share your findings. Pick that person one that comes up and then it just shares of, of what they went through. I mean, this is pretty typical when you do offline, like it can be done. Like people sure. do this sometimes, but now we can do this and it's 
a result, an output from the work that's being done on that table, which was previously done. And it just keeps going back and forth. That's great. And that, that interaction keeps people active, like leaning in, activated during this whole session. You, you can't, you know, just chill out and look at your email, you know, <laughs> which is a typical thing, what you do, right? Look at your email, look at, look at Amazon, buy some more, buy some more stuff for your house. Like, no, you can't, no, you got to work. Buy you know? a new share. <laughs> yeah. Buy the ergonomic, <laughs> buy the ergonomic chair. chair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I'm curious, what kind of reception are you getting from businesses about this idea of, I'm going to just say the in more intentionality around interactions. Let's just get rid of the events word. So they love the fact that you can brand the space. Like they'll go wild with that. They love that. Number one. Number two is they love the interaction because everyone's sick of Zoom. Everyone understands the limitation of, of what we have so far. That's, that's not really um, a surprise. So they're always eager to try to find something that can really engage people and keep people active, right? Um, so the reception from that on that side has been really, really positive. A lot of businesses use us for both internal and external events, like town halls, um, regional sales meetings, uh, uh, sales events. They used to do a quarterly um, event where the whole sales team gets together, for example. Now they can do it on a monthly basis or a weekly basis. Um, uh, external events for educating their customers and making their customers. We've got like law firms that use us so that their clients can connect. Like some law firms view themselves as the connector, right? The, the connector. And so they find a ton of value um, helping their clients um, and them kind of being the center point of that, you know, community or industry or whatever. Um, professional associations use us a lot um, because, you know, the whole purpose of professional associations is for networking. I'm curious, as you're talking through this and mentioning associations, have you been able to use your platform to address one of the challenges of in-person events? And that is this. So many places that are all about networking, people go to the event and they go find a table and they sit down and don't talk <laughs> to anyone. Or their whole, you know, their whole team goes. So I'm wondering, is your platform have elements of it that almost prevents that from happening. No, actually, Jeff, uh, from my experience, I would say he's done a really good job of allowing people to move between tables as well. But they have, do they have to do it themselves? Hmm, good question. Um, uh, Craig, that was, that was, that was a great answer. Um, thanks for, <laughs> you know, you know, I, thanks for sharing that on my, on my behalf. That was awesome. So, um, it, so in essence, um, there's, 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 there's two components of what we do. There's two things what we do. The first thing is when you come to an event, um, you're highly encouraged to turn on your microphone and camera. And the way how I, I see it is it's like, imagine you went to an, like the way how we, we positioned it and how we see that like you can see the people there, right? When you see the person there and the person doesn't go turn on their mic and cam and I go to that table, it's like, you sitting down at a person's table in real life and they have, I don't know, they just close their mouth and they just, they just ignore you. They just don't talk to me. Or they you. put a bag over their head. Put a bag over their <laughs> or, or yeah, or even exactly, even worse, they put a bag over their head. No cutoff for holes or anything. Yeah, that's it's right. just like a paper bag. <laughs> yeah. And so what does that mean from a culture, from a, like a social etiquette standpoint? 
that's kind of rude and that's kind of weird. <laughs> right. So, so, so what, what we've done is what I think is what video does is it keeps people accountable. It keeps people like, Hey, I've got, I've got to like, you know, kind of dress up a little bit. I can't just, you know, just do whatever, you know, that's what, that's why people like troll, like, you know, the social media stuff. Like one of the things that I saw was people were falling so much. People were just like saying whatever they wanted. Why? Because like no one, no one knew, like no one could be like, Oh, you said this, like there's no accountability. But, and that was one of the reasons why I, I, I want to make it away from social media because when you have video, you have accountability and there, it, it brings up that feeling of like, well, if you're, if you're, if you're coming to my, our, our event that has networking, you know, it is then, you know, if you're not even turning your microphone camera, then, you know, why are you here? Like, right. it's like, why are you even here? So that, that's one. And then, um, number two is that, um, like most of the people that go, like, it's kind of a bit self-selecting, like they want to learn, they want to talk and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, the people that don't, then, um, we can kind of put them aside, uh, and have them kind of, you know, it's not like a penalty box or something like a hockey <laughs> penalty box, but it's like, it's like an area where, Hey, it sounds like you don't want to be disturbed because it's kind of true. Like some people don't want to be disturbed. Right. So it's like, you don't want to be disturbed. Okay. Like here's this area, you know, and then, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, I always tell hosts, like, tell them like, Hey, um, if, when you're ready, you know, please come and join me. If you join us, if you want. And also like, um, Hey, like if you want to know like other, other, um, other, like, you know, other topics of discussions, let me know kind of thing. So is it like a view only area where they, they're just sitting there passively watching, or, you know, maybe they're trying to multitask while they're engaged with it or something, but they're not now sitting at a table. I mean, they're still sitting at the table, but they're kind of like, not like in active mode, you okay. know, they're like in like, sort of like this, like kind of D like um, busy mode kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, oh, Hoyan, let's sit beyond the platform for this question, because the platform is designed to, in some ways, replicate an in-person interaction. And like you said, someone who was, went to an event or went to have coffee with someone would not sit down with a bag over their head or sit behind a um, a curtain. <laughs> We're seeing certainly, or I'm seeing a lot of people today not using video mm. for different platforms. Yeah. I think yeah. part of this is a leadership issue because I'm, my experience mm, yeah. is the leadership of that team or the group isn't even bringing it up. I did a training last week and I implored everyone to turn on their video. The people from the organization said nothing. And 20% yeah, of the yeah. people had their cameras on. The rest were blank the whole entire time for three and a half yeah, hours. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, yeah. Where's to me, there's a leadership issue here, not just a technology issue. Yeah. hundred percent. So, um, I mean, if, so if I can get someone to have their microphone on and they can still talk, like I'm pretty, I'm happy with, with that. Um, it's more of like, if they want to connect with someone, like they're probably not going to be able to connect with someone. Um, at that good of a level because you don't have your camera on but with respect to like you know i i think it's also like um you know it is personal preference it is like um they don't feel comfortable i mean it's also kind of like how active they want to be and participate in the conversation too because if your camera is off like you could just do whatever you want like you can do other things like and you, you don't feel like you're as engaged Right. You don't have to, feel, you don't, have, you just, no one can see you. So, I mean, I think there's like a lot of, I personally think there's a lot of reasons. Um, and lead, yeah. And you're right that leadership kind of sets the tone for that. Um, 
you know, at our company, like, because we're fully remote, you know, we don't require it, but you're right. Like the leaders always turn on our camera. And so we will actually say to people, it's like, oh, wait, uh, uh, oh, something wrong with your camera. I can't see you. <laughs> like, I'm not saying, oh, you should turn on your camera. I say, oh, um, is, is something wrong with your camera? Like, it's, it's almost like, you know what I mean? It's like, you're saying something as if it's like, oh, maybe there's something wrong. That's why. Like, it's a judgment not on, oh, you're not comfortable. It's a judgment. Oh, maybe your, your, your equipment doesn't work. Right. And, and if someone says, oh, you know, I'm not comfortable on the camera, I'm like, all right, that's fine. It's interesting. Go ahead, Craig. I was just going to say, it's interesting how people can show up at a networking event. You know, they're going to, they're going to show up and however they look, that's the way they look. Right. But when they get on the camera, there's something different. I don't know if it's because they they're watching themselves the whole time or you know what that is, but they, for some reason, seem to be more uncomfortable on camera. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of weird. Like, yeah, looks looking at yourself is a bit weird, you know, like not all of us are narcissists. <laughs> right. Um, and, and like, I think it's also, um, yeah, the back, their background, like maybe they don't want to show their background. They don't have a virtual background for whatever reason. Um, or yeah, I think there's, I think for me, I I'm a bit more, you, you know, it's, it's a bit strange, right? Cause you would think that, Oh, I want everyone to turn on their camera. But um, for me, when I work remotely, I understand that there's a lot of people who are not comfortable turning on their camera. I do encourage everyone. Uh, let's put it this way. If you're an individual contributor, like if it was a one-on-one, definitely turn on your camera. But if it was a group and you decided not to, like, I'll be like, eh, okay. But if you're a leader or a manager, like I, I, to me, there's like no excuse. Like there's, you, right. you've got to be like superbly present. And very, you know, yeah, you have to have presence. Absolutely. So I, it, I'm a bit more like, you know, whatever, kind of like in a training situation, I'm not like as strict. Um, but I think you're right to get the maximum engagement. Yes, you need to turn on the camera for sure, even from your participants at all levels. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. If you enjoy the Leadership Junkies podcast and you want to grow your leadership, We have a new course for you called Become a Confident Leader. In this course, we will share some of the keys to becoming more confident in your leadership and also to become more impactful. Go to cartavera.com slash confident to find out more. See you on the inside. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back. 
Well, I guess I'm I guess I'm concerned a bit about this conversation because I'm hearing this out and about as well. Because to me, it's a fundamentally different question. Because I would argue that it's a very small percentage of people who are actually so uncomfortable they won't turn their camera. I get there's a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, they can turn it off so they don't see it. You said maximum engagement. I'm talking about engagement at all. Like, for example, if you mm-hmm. had an in-person meeting and 10 people, I would say to leaders, would it be okay if someone was sitting at their, during the meeting doing other work? Generally, no. Yeah. But we have made it no. okay to do that under this guise of, yeah. well, maybe you're not comfortable. And also, I would say expectation setting, because you said it. Leaders and managers have theirs on. So if someone's not willing to engage, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a judgment of that in terms of their leadership. I will. Because mm, I'm that's saying, true. so you're only going to be visible if you're actually leading. So you're telling me you're, and I told this group, it's, I just put it out there last week as I was inviting them on. I said, look, let's all be honest. The main reason we don't turn our cameras on is we want to do other work while this is going on. I just told them because I think that's more of a reality than people being uncomfortable today. Yeah. 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 And, and I, and, and, and I think like that's like I, I do think that that's definitely um, you know a good kind of like reality statement to kind of like tell people that because then you're saying hey look you know I'm I need your full attention you guys are not giving me your full attention and that kind of that's actually kind of rude um, and also like a waste of money um, and um, and I, I think you're right like like there's a lot of um, leaders that you know, are not really enforcing that. Um, but you know what, like, I think remote work is so new. I think, I think there's, I mean, we've only been doing it for like a few years, like a lot of these big corps. I mean, we can't even get management right in all these companies. And then now <laughs> introducing so this new, new concept of like, you know, oh, by the way, we've got this other thing here, which is remote work. And, you know, we all kind of need to do that. And I think, you know, like, like remote work. And I don't know what kind of clients that you guys have, but, um, and I don't know if like they do, do they do hybrid work by any chance hybrid remote, which is like, they will work Uh, some some days in the office, some days. Yeah. So, you know, like we've been doing that for a while and that is incredibly hard to pull off. This is a good example. It's incredibly difficult to pull off. And then now we're layering on, okay, so what do you, we have to have some remote work, you know, is video policy as well. And, um, I've met a lot of companies that just do a really poor job in just the remote work policies. How do you manage teams? You know, that's why people are getting burnt out, like, or, or, or productivity is just all out of whack. Like everyone's just all over the place uh, to a certain degree um, because they just don't, you know, they still haven't refined, you know, what they're supposed to do. Like it took me about, yeah, like five, six years to figure out how to manage a remote team. Like I have a remote team of a hundred which is not a lot, um, but it's still like, you know, not a small team anymore. And um, it took me a while to understand what were the remote policies and all the things that I had to do to train people um, in order to know what to do and how to behave. Well, I think it's so important that you, you actually set forth. These are the expectations. These are our standards. This is what the culture is like here. So, you know, if you're, if you're on a meeting, your camera's on, your microphone's on, you're, you're present in that meeting because we're ultimately paying for you to be there at that meeting. You made a really good point. Meetings aren't cheap, right? And if we're expecting somebody yeah. to get it and be present and contribute, then they have to be there. 
I agree with that. Yeah. Well, I, I think you, you've touched on a couple of things in there, Horian. Um, I, which one first? The one that's coming to mind is I think there's so, a blind spot here. And sometimes blind spots just need to be highlighted. Like one of the biggest mm -hmm. complaints I hear from team members pre heavy remote work was saying being in a meeting where the senior leadership was on their computer or their phone. That upset them. They were like, why are they not here when I'm here? I'm expected to be here. They're not. And now we have a dynamic where people, because typically the leaders are the ones with their cameras on, and at least we can see what they're doing. So the people who are complaining before are now the ones with their cameras off. <laughs> and yeah. I wonder, have they even thought about that they are now that person? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That impact. What's the, like that question that I love for leaders 100%. to ask more often, what's the impact? Whatever your comfort level or whatever your reason, what's the impact? of you not being on camera and actively participating by being on camera? Because there is a difference. 100%, 100%, 100%. Yeah, I totally 100% agree. And and I think as leaders, like they need to do a better job. Like they need, they need to do a better job. And frankly, like, you know, when you have back-to-back -back meetings, you got slack in the background, you've got so much noise. You know, I had to download an app called Holopod. Oh, I'm plug I'm plugging them. Uh, they didn't did, I don't I don't own any stock in this company. But like, I had to download this app that like I mean like it's like the best thing. What it does is it reads your Google Calendar and it changes your snooze and silent notifications on Slack. So uh, on Slack, so for example, if it sees on your Google Calendar it's like, "Hey, um you're in a meeting, right?" It automatically just switches everything off. And so I have certain time frames where I just just sit there for half an hour just answering my Slack. Every, every other moment in time, I don't touch it. I don't touch it. I'm not looking at my email. I'm not looking at anything. And, and I had to purposely like do this. Like I realized that I was like, you know, I was always looking at other things like I was getting distracted. I had to do this. Like I had to like purposely, you know, figure this system out so that I can focus more. So to that point, this, this whole shift, and I, interesting what you said, it took you years to figure out how to manage and lead this remote workforce. Um, one of the phenomenons of this shift the last two years has been a lot of burnout for a lot of reasons, but one is people regularly tell me they have m multiple percentages, more meetings now remotely than they ever had in the office. Hmm. What do you, what do you think's going on with that? I mean, I have my theory, but yeah. what's going on with that? Yeah. Yeah. Because, because it's, you know, it's partially actually the problem that we were solving. Like initially when Remo first started, we were trying to like, like solve the problem. Like I, I'm sitting next to you or we're sitting around in a table. Like we could just ask people questions all the time. Very easily, very, very easily. This sort of like hall, it's not even hall, it's hallway plus just casual conversation. We can get quick answers to Right now, that's like, you don't, you can't do that. It's very, like, it's just super, um, it's almost minimal in some cases. Um, and so uh, Slack is trying to change this with like a huddle. Um, and so there's a tendency to schedule. And so the scheduled meetings are trying to replace these casual conversations. I think that's part of it. Um, and I think also number two is, is like people don't see each other. They don't know. They don't know what they're doing. They 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 want to compensate for the lack of visibility and and trying to like, you know, manage, I guess, is the right 
is probably potentially the word. Um, and so that, that just creates a lot of additional, um, meetings. I, I you know, I, 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 it's, it's, I, I think it's hard to tell because like, if you thought about the amount of time you talk to your colleagues, right. When you're working in the office, I mean, that technically is, it's not a meeting, but you are talking, you know what I mean? And that time has now been converted into a meeting. So, but the problem with the meeting is like, you know, it's, it's a proper meeting. You have to be engaged. And some people are like, oh, well, it's a kind of a conversation. So I'm going to work and meet at the same, you know, and then it just kind of becomes this like, you know, cluster thing that is just really difficult to kind of, kind of, kind of work. You can't do deep work. And, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great way to work. So is there an etiquette guide that you would follow that talks about how to operate in this new world? Well, when we, so there's, so what we do is we have this um, quadrant, we have four quadrants um, at our company and the four quadrants help us define what is the type of um, uh, work or the tool that you should use, you should do um, in order to, to do this. And I'm going to, I don't know how to, so I have a communication charter. I'm going to, I don't know. Can I, can I share, should I share my screen with you guys or no? Okay. Unfortunately the, the podcast guests won't be able to see this, but maybe you guys can help me explain it, but we have a communication charter and the communication charter is essentially this document that defines the rules of engagement for communication with each other. So it talks about phone call, text messages, Slack can reply in 24 hours, email can reply in 24 hours. It sets expectations. The next thing is this communication, this quadrant, which is, um, on the x-axis is not urgent, urgent. And then on the y-axis, it's two-way communication that's really required or one-way communication that's really required. And then through this, what in each quadrant, we actually say, okay, if it's urgent and requires two-way communication, like it's, it's decision-making, urgent crisis, one-on-one, -on -one, sensitive topics, well, you need to be on a video call. Gotcha. Um, if it's not that urgent and then there's two-way communication, well, why don't we collaborate asynchronously? Doc, doc collab, Slack video messages. Slack just had a, a new um, feature release. I don't know if you guys saw that, where you can send each other video messages and voice messages. Um, that's a new feature. Um, so you can, you can collaborate asynchronously and at your own leisure. Um, and so we've created these rules. And so what we've done is we've become way more async. We force into way more async. We use a lot of Google docs. We use a lot of notion, a lot of notion, and there'll be some tasks some things that we say is, okay, let's just do this through notion. It takes a bit longer to do, but it, it relieves the weight on always constantly trying to talk, always constantly trying to be in a meeting. Wow. I love this. Um, yeah. Maybe we can think about maybe if we can get a PDF of this, if you're willing, we can maybe at least make it accessible to folks. Uh, what I love about this is a couple of things. One is it's certainly thoughtful. Yeah. Uh, it's very intentional and it sets those expectations. Um, yeah, just immediately I'm saying people could have used this even, you know, pre remote work. It's so, it's so important in setting those timeframes. And I'm curious, have you had any challenges Oh, yeah. And in having people honor these, 
In other words, when it says in there, a text message is something that requires an answer within, you need an answer within one to two hours. And that's presumably is the expectation of response time. But if people are sending texts that really don't require a one to two hour response, you've broken the system, right? Right. Yeah. Talk about implementation so, obstacles. So our, our problem is the opposite. We don't have problems with that. In fact, we don't call people when it's really urgent. Our problem is, is that people are afraid to imp impose into your private life. Actually, mm -hmm. that's our problem. Um, each, co each company has their own problems. That's ours. Our problem is people will still look at their Slack on the weekend and even in their off hours. Like that's our problem. And that's been really difficult to enforce. That, that's been difficult to enforce. I think it's interesting. Because like they're, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, I think that's interesting that you said that's a problem because a lot of companies would say, oh, hey, we're getting more productivity of our people. What I think I hear you saying is, hey, <laughs> people need a break. Yeah. I mean, yeah, people are overworking and um, they, they like the boundaries between, I don't know how you guys feel. Like I set my boundaries very clearly, right? Like I have a separate room for my office. I think a lot of people do. And actually I prefer working at a co-working space. I actually don't like, ironically, like I actually don't like working from home. Like mm -hmm. I actually like working at a location. Why? Because it's a separate place. I get up, I get dressed. It's a separate place. I don't have any distractions. I'm there for work. So that's my, how I set my boundaries. But for a lot of people, you know, they don't set their boundaries well. It's a, it's an, it's a, it's, it is something that you have to actively really police yourself. And um, what I find is not everyone is as disciplined. And so that also bleeds into communication. Like they, they're, they're, they're also kind of like doing that as well. Um, and it comes to even setting meeting times because our, our, our company is so remote. Like we have everywhere in all time zones people will set time uh, meetings at night and in the morning. Like, so the work is like kind of the whole day. Um, unfortunately, that's kind of the nature of our, our company in some ways. So it's, it's partially like our culture, but um, how, like how many meetings and how many nights do you do that? Like we're now trying to implement policy where it's like, you know, you should not have midnight meetings or night meetings every single day of the week, like maybe one or two, but you should not be doing it every single night. And like, that's, that's not what you should do. What we do is, is like, we have like, whatever your work hours, it's eight or nine hours or whatever it is, seven, eight or nine, whatever hours that you work per day. Um, you can spread that out in any way you can. We don't really, we're not, we're not saying you have to work a certain number of hours. It's like, you get to distribute whatever you want. The unfortunate tr problem with this is that, that it just, people just blend in their personal and their office, like, like yeah. lives too much. And that, and that creates other, other burnout issues. So, so, oh, yeah. And, uh, a theory I have that I hold pretty strongly when it comes to in-person work, but I think remote may have changed this a little. When you're telling people to do it a certain way and to not overwork and not, in, you know, have boundaries and they don't, I generally conclude that somewhere they don't believe it's true. <laughs> like they don't really believe it's okay. Right. And maybe it's because they have a trust issue with you or Remo. Maybe it's from their history that, you know, they were told that, but that wasn't really true. Talk about some of what you think is going on when people are unwilling or unable to hold those personal versus work boundaries. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like um, the way how, um, I mean, it's, it's for me, I think it's also kind of like, 
you know, we, we don't, we, we try, we don't ask people to kind of like hold meetings, you know, at like, kind of like raw off hours or wrong hours. But I think there's, I mean, there's definitely a culture. Like our team is, we, we bring on pretty ambitious people. Like we bring on people that work hard, you know, and so I do believe that while everyone kind of is ambitious and works really hard, but then there's also kind of those limits too. Um, and sometimes like people just, you know, we, 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 we select a lot for people that just work hard. Um, and, and I think that's something that is also a product, a product of like, of just kind of like how we partially operate. Um, but I, I, I also think that like, um, the, the way how, you know, we're, we're, cause we're trying to deal with this right now, the way how we have to, um, uh, like, like convey, uh, to our team members, um, more clearly about like, like us, like as leaders acting on those boundaries and showing more of those boundaries to show them like, like, look, we do this too. Like, don't think that we don't do that. Like they, they look at us and they think that all the leaders just be like, work like, like crazy, which in some degree we do, but we do, we, we definitely do a better job in like siloing of our lives. And that's something that we're trying to work on and trying to demonstrate. Now, do you have more restrictions on your managers? For example, do not you know, use Slack at a certain time or, or whatever, because then that sets expectations for people to respond. Um, right now, we don't set managers' expectations on whether they should or should not use Slack. Um, or just any but, advice. You um, but um, but what, what we do say is like, you know, one thing that I do feel like is that when we send out messages, we have to, think about the time when we send out those messages. Yeah. Like what is, what is the time in that person's local time zone before you send it? Like maybe just keep it in draft mode for now or use the send later. I think they have a reminder to send in Slack. Yeah. Use the reminder to send it's like to send it later. Yeah. So, so um, one thing I wonder about in this, how Yen, um, you said the word see help allow people to see which I think is a vital piece of leadership, especially remote working, because they don't know what's happening. So how can you communicate in ways so they actually see it? Um, I, I'm curious about your meetings, meetings question. One of the problems I see, and I think it's a default to technology is, it seems like everybody schedules meetings as long. Like the default is every meeting is going to be an hour or maybe a half hour. Like who's scheduling? Like if you were in person, the huddles, you might say, we're going to have a seven minute huddle. I mean, that's a thing, a seven minute huddle. Nobody schedules seven. I'm not aware of many people. I'll say that who schedule seven minute, seven minute, uh, online huddles. Do you see that challenge about oh, yeah. the default to these longer meetings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have, um, there's a company that um, that does uh, this actually. Um, it's different. Actually, it's actually kind of complex. Actually, I don't know if I can find this, but it's different lengths of meetings, and each 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 length of meeting is like an animal. Um, <laughs> We're gonna do a giraffe meeting like, today. Um, I can't. <laughs> no, I gotta. I gotta. Really short one is. 
like there's um i have to uh i, I need to like I, man I, I can't yeah i have to find it but um and what they what they did was um yeah i need to i need to look at it. So what they did is like they have different meeting types and it also depends on the size of the group too like um and so those um like if it's two persons or three person or four or five like those are also like i think those are like the different animals and that kind of yeah so it's it's interesting um, I've, I've seen this happen. Um, some, so, so back in the day before remote work was like a trend, like they would say this, they would also say like, yeah, you know, we don't really need, you know, super long meetings. You know, you need to think about how do you do really quick meetings. So what we do is we have like daily stand, I mean, you've heard of these like daily standups. So the daily stamps are very short. So we have like daily standup meetings. That's one type. And then we have, um, impromptu meetings and then the rest is kind of like what you said it's like 30 minutes to um to an hour um the kind of like standard um but i've heard of other remote work companies so what for remote work you know what we do is we minimize meetings the most we minimize meetings as much as we can so um we don't encourage many meetings we encourage as much we try to get um the at least from an ic level as as many deep work sessions as they can um, I mean, um, obviously managers and leaders are slightly different because, you know, they have to kind of do other things, but, um, so that's why we try to like, you know, we, we, we do things asynchronously as much as we can, like through notion or Google docs. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Something you said earlier that I found for myself, you're talking about, we all have to find how we set boundaries. And a lot of that is contextual based upon how their life is set up. Like, for example, until six months ago, where I lived, my office was one of the extra bedrooms. So it wasn't really an office. I mean, it was set up as both. So I tended to work in the kitchen. And I had a hard time with boundaries. But I moved to a place that now my office is in a third floor loft. And so I have a clear sense of going to work and leaving work. And I am yeah. really good at not even bringing my computer down into my home. If I'm going to yeah, do something yeah. on my computer, I go upstairs. So it's thoughtful. Like if it's nine o'clock at night and I say, oh, there's something I could do. Oh, do I really want to go do that? Or am I going to choose not to? And for me, it's helped, but not everybody has that physical yeah. boundary. I'm really blessed yeah, by yeah. this. This has helped me a lot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. I think boundaries, the physical boundaries do help a lot. A lot of people don't have that. And I think that's definitely like causing a lot of um, challenges for people. Um, it's like kind of what you said, like, you know, it's hard, like, oh, I got to climb, you know, like the fact that you got to go up a few stairs, it's like, well, I got to think twice about one of those stairs, <laughs> which, you know, makes a lot of sense. Like, I think that, um, you know, it, it makes it more, uh, the barrier, a little bit more of a slight bigger barrier to go and do something and, and kind of take yourself away from the rest of like your family or or the rest of it. So I, I, I agree. And I, I subscribe to that philosophy a lot. That's what's worked well for me as well. Good. Yeah. Oh, so, oh yeah. And as, as we approach time here, uh, I want to wrap up with this question. You've, you've created uh, <clears throat> an organization, a platform that helps people to interact more humanely, more authentically and more humanly, you know, more like they're used to in a human way. Uh, you've built a remote organization and you've learned over five, six plus years how to manage those kind of remote teams. You've shared a lot. What's the one thing that you would leave our listeners with 
that you would say is critical when it comes to leading and managing a remote team? What's that big one? Um, I mean, like for, for, for remote teams, it's, it's really important to like write a lot of, um, to do, to do, to write a bit more processes and policies in place, like the communication charter, for example. Um, and getting like your managers on board to kind of like follow through on that and make sure that they have enough training and buy-in and stuff like that. And, um, and then also like everyone in the team, everyone on your team at all levels, um, you know, kind of, kind of like seize the policies. Um, you have trainings, we have, we'll have special trainings about them. Um, we will also do like workshops around them as well. Um, and partially around that is also like, around your values. So communication is oxygen is actually one of our values. Um, and communication oxygen means you have to over communicate through Slack or, th you know, through whatever, unfortunately, that means you have to spend more time on Slack, but what it means is like, you need to, you know, tell people a little bit more about what you're doing and what, what it is that, that, you know, Oh, Hey, I'm about to work on this. You know, just being a bit more communicative because by doing that, it leads to less, it just, it just saves a lot of, it just saves everything in general. It's just, just a lot more better. So to kind of like end it, it's really like the communication part is absolutely really, really critical. It's probably the most critical part. Um, and making sure that you get people that communicate well is, is basically half the battle. If you get people that communicate well, it's going to work out pretty well. And then you don't really have to force up the hill so much and try to train people to be more communicative. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say. So you Fantastic. have to spend some time to save some time. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. Unfortunately, you do. So it, the, the, to be honest, like I, to be honest, I think it's just we're just playing a different game. Like it's like playing football, like American football or soccer. It's just two two different games. It's the same game, it's just two different played differently. Well, someone may have already done this, but out of this conversation, I'm wondering who's going to develop an emoji or something that replicates the in-person hand wave. Like when we were in the office and <laughs> someone came to talk to you and you didn't, weren't available, you would do the, no. <laughs> right. I'm, right. I'm waving right. my hand, like, get out of here. I've got no time for you. I don't know if we have that in <laughs> Slack or any other platforms. So maybe someone can develop that and turn that into something. That's the emoji yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah, the emoji. Give me Hands yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I am not here. Yeah. I'm invisible. Yeah. Invisible. Bag yeah. over the head. How's that? <laughs> yeah. yeah so bag over the head. Yeah. yeah. You're probably going to see a, a daily video from me soon with a bag over yeah. my head. I'm going to do a message. Oh, wow. About that. You got to, you got to send that, that to me. I made a note all already. I'm going to do Yeah. You just got to have your uh, If you do under, that. Under, yeah. For, if you do that, tag me and I'll do it back to you. <laughs> All right, right on. Yeah, I will do. I'm doing it. It's in. It's happening. So, go. oh, yeah. And this has been a great conversation about a topic that is so it's it is probably one of the top two or three topics in the world right now in business is how do we do this? How do we do this remote? Yep. How do we continue to connect? How do we communicate through this that we've created? The reality is here. Remote work is a reality. Love your platform and love your ideas you shared. We always want to have our guests have an opportunity to highlight or promote anything that's going on for you. So what is that? 
Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I mean, my, um, my company Remo um, is an immersive virtual event space for you to create hyper interactive events. Um, if you're bored, bored of the typical Zoom, um, bored of the typical virtual events for either your customers or your internal team, then you're looking for something that's really interactive, that truly engages people like human beings, then Remo is a platform um, for you. So, um, and so it's the website is Remo, R-E-M-O dot C-O. So Remo.co. Awesome. And it works. Good and, stuff. And uh, Hogan, <laughs> what's the best way Thank for people to connect with you? Yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, my LinkedIn, um, I do actually uh, a lot of, um, I do a lot of posts around like um, how to make events more authentic, um, how to create like a, a, um, a more uh, conversations and, you know, hmm. a lot of like techniques borderlining into facilitation, actually. I'm not a facilitator myself. But um, borderlining into, and I've learned a lot of of, of stuff from great facilitators, um, and so we kind of talk a little bit about that. That really lead to like much more interactive events. So it's um, LinkedIn.com, uh, and the the, uh, the 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 avatar or the name at the end is just my name, Ho Yin Chung, H O Y I N C H U N G. I'm assuming that it'll be in the show notes, so I'll, I'll give them to the you guys after. Yep. Uh, we always wrap up with a question, and my question to you, Ho Yen, is what's the book that our listeners need to read? I'm sure you read a lot, but what's the one book that oh, comes yeah. to mind? Um, I mean, the one book that I'm reading right now that I think is really awesome um, is um, Ku. Who uh, is by Jeff Smart and Randy Street, and it just talks about how to how to recruit, how to recruit people, how to find good people, how to find how to find A players. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you for that. Thanks for being here, Ho Yen, and thanks for uh, creating what you've created to humanize our interactions. We can certainly use more of that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to your favorite podcasting app, rate us, give us some comments, share some love. It helps us to get our message out to more people. Thank you so much. If you enjoy the Leadership Junkies podcast and you want to grow your leadership, we have a new course for you called Become a Confident Leader. In this course, we will share some of the keys to becoming more confident in your leadership and also to become more impactful. Go to cartavera.com slash confident to find out more. See you on the inside. Hi, my name is Sara, and I want to tell you about my podcast called can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. 
I'll also be sharing Business Bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.